0: Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFTs What the Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from Counterparty to Rare Pepe's, CryptoPunks and Kitties, from XCopy to Pack, and People's Record Auction. With the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future, these episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTsWTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter.
1: I'm Sparrow. I'm a software engineer by day, by trade, but I've also been an artist all my life. Several years ago, I decided to take art more seriously. And that investigation in trying to solve provenance problems with physical art is what led me to blockchain. I actually didn't do digital art before I got to blockchain. So my whole digital art learning is recorded forever on, on the Ethereum blockchain. I'm a co-founder of WOCA, Women of Crypto Art. I was one of the 13 artists at the launch of Async Art was another highlight of my crypto art career and one of the core group of artists that lobbied and worked to get 10% royalties as standard across platforms.
0: Yeah, and I, and a big part of this interview, I want to focus on that. First of all, I'm intrigued as to why this is your first foray into digital art. Why, why now?
1: So it really, it really was the blockchain community. Like I said, I was trying to sort of marry the blockchain tech and the tokens with physical art, and that technology just really wasn't there, still probably isn't really there yet to, to do that effectively. I never really thought about doing digital art. I sit and code at a computer all day, so it really wasn't. Easy to see that as a, a way to relax, which is one of the things that art does for me. It, it gives me what my day job doesn't give me and pure expression and the feeling of creating. And I didn't think my own bias. I didn't think that creating digital art would give me that same experience. So I never tried it, but it does.
0: And so how does it feel? as you said, that whole journey as a digital artist is now immutable forever on Ethereum. How does that feel as a creator, as an artist? Does it bring new pressure? Does it bring a different dynamic?
1: I think, I mean, it just brings a sense of awe. It's probably similar to, you know, kids today who have never not known, you know, social media. Their whole lives are documented in that way. <laughs> okay, the platform might disappear. And so all of that documentation can be gone, which hopefully won't happen with Ethereum and the blockchain. But it's got to be very similar to that, right? Here's the public view of my development as an artist in digital medium.
0: So tell us about async art. You mentioned that as a particular highlight you were there for its launch. Why was that a key moment for you in in the history of NFTs?
1: It was the first time since I discovered blockchain and crypto art and NFTs that I actually saw the underlying tech being used as a means of creative expression. It was the one time that I could see something really new and innovative being done because of the underlying blockchain technology. People have owned art before. People have been able to buy and sell art before. But the the interaction, the collaboration that async art allows for is just something really, really new, still new.
0: And so, I mean, I I don't know if you define yourself as a, So you have Sparrow as your pseudonym. How important is it to you that that is separate from your real life, your day job, your the persona that lives in the real world versus the metaverse and NFTs?
1: I don't think it is all that separate. I mean, even in real life, most people call me Sparrow. Okay. Apart from literally my day job, that that's the one thing that is is outside and separate from everything else. But outside of that one thing, everything else is much more integrated now than it ever has been.
0: Interesting. So do you feel that the pull of your identity is coming from the NFT world? It's like pulling your, your real world, your work life into it? Or am I overextending the, the thinking?
1: No, I think that that's probably, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a fair evaluation. It has shaped my art and my life in, in lots of ways. Being a part of this space when it was new and growing was amazing because you could, you could do things and have Outsized impact in in certain ways, like you know, just having the idea for Woka, and saying to a couple of people, you know, Giselle and Stina, and then Angie joined, and you know, everyone else that we should have a group where you know the women can, female artists, women artists can promote each other and support each other, and and do all of the networking that we tend to get left out of. We'll just do it ourselves. And having that happen and having it so well received by pretty much everyone is amazing. Just one little thing that you do can have such big impact. And I think that's one of the things that makes this whole space really exciting.
0: So I want to get into worker, but before that, you you mentioned the word I forget, I forget the exact phrase that you used, but it sounded like you delineated between when it was all new and now. Yeah, is that true?
1: Yes, very much so. It doesn't feel quite like that anymore, to me at least. It used to feel like I could potentially know all of the different things that were happening, and what this platform was doing, and what that platform was doing, and I'm uh, you know talking to. Everyone, and now that's just impossible. That everyone has grown far too big,
0: and it's too noisy and difficult to navigate. Presumably,
1: there are way too many communication channels. Yeah, but even just maintaining the communications between people I used to communicate with on a more regular basis has been challenging.
0: Yeah. So, so let's jump into Woka. So. Tell us about that as a movement, why it's important, why it's different to the conventional art world.
1: So, yeah, I mean, part of the impetus for for Woka was seeing that, you know, a lot of the things in the crypto art community were going in a direction that seemed to follow the traditional art, market. So when you looked at headline sales and when you looked at leaderboards and average sale prices, basically all of this stuff to do with money, value, monetary value. It was looking very much like the traditional art market where traditionally women are undervalued. And that's just a, a, a statement that you can say about the traditional art market and many people have. And it seemed like that was also happening in crypto art, which to me felt like a real missed opportunity that, you know, we have this new thing that we can do it differently and we can create a fairer, more equal world. I think that's what, you know, Ethereum is trying to do, or it's stated aim. And the art on Ethereum could potentially do that for artists. And it wasn't. That was why I felt WOCA was important in a way to sort of redress that balance and bring awareness to the fact that out of the top 10 at the time, there was one woman. (laughs) Right, And you think, is that really a reflection of The number of artists, first of all, and I found that it wasn't. There are just as many women artists in crypto art, in NFTs, as there are men. Most people aren't aware. So it was an awareness problem, I think. And not even, you know, inherent bias, but it is just visibility. So the core aims of Woka are to make sure that women artists are seen and heard as much as their male peers.
0: So do you think one of the, maybe historically, maybe it's not true now, but historically one of the problems with identifying as crypto art was the crypto part in that crypto, certainly from a Bitcoin perspective, has been, you know, the crypto bro analogy, I think is definitely true. You know, how women are perceived or interact with that community is pretty marginalized. Why was it important for you to identify as crypto, as a crypto artist? You know, what baggage do you think that brought with it?
1: (laughs) I'm, I'm a big believer in claiming your space. You know, you shouldn't just give the space up just because it's contested. I think that it it's important that it's crypto art because that's what it started as. I think seeding that, you know, give, giving that up would have felt to me like a defeat. It would have felt like segregation, which it shouldn't. It should be an integration, right? There's enough space for everyone. I th- I think it just it felt important. To put that stake in the ground.
0: So, do you still identify as a crypto artist even now? Do you still think that's an important label? Or do you think that it was something that was important then, but actually now we're, we're kind of moving on?
1: I think as the mainstream, more and more of the mainstream joins, that it has already shifted, right? People are talking NFTs and not crypto art. And that's fine because actually, I w- would talk to Artists like Josie, right? And the art that I do, she wouldn't see as crypto art because it really didn't have a lot to do with crypto. You know, some of my pieces are or were about the ideals behind crypto, but they weren't particularly crypto art. So she would nit- label it as NFT art. And that's fair because I don't, I don't think that they're can be an agreed upon definition of crypto art. I think everybody has slightly different and varying definitions for for what makes crypto art. I've attempted a sort of sidestep to a definition because it isn't really about the visuals of the art itself. And to me, crypto art was the community of artists who identified as crypto artists. And I really felt, like I belonged in that community. So let's
0: talk about those principles because you're right. I mean, most people, yeah, most people would think about crypto art in this kind of mimetic self-referential references to Satoshi or to Mm -hmm. Vitalik. But you mentioned it's less about the aesthetic, it's more about the principles. So to -hmm. you, what what were the principles of a crypto artist or, or crypto that were important? To communicate through art?
1: Self-sovereignty, certainly. Decentralization. So no central authorities. The peer-to-peer connections and exchanges. And the statelessness. So the global network of of people and ideas. I think those were the key things for me.
0: Yeah. And I guess that last one is very relevant maybe less so now but certainly you know living through the period of trump and brexit and this hyperlocalness mm. that statelessness that globalness perhaps was uh, an even more important escape valve for those of us that are a bit more well traveled or identify in a universal context rather than a nationalistic context
1: i mean it, it was amazing to actually have something in common and be able to relate to people from all over the world and so many different countries and areas and backgrounds and walks of life, which circles us back to the woka and the diversity. The diversity is there, yeah? It's important, it's what makes us resilient, but we all have something in common.
0: Well, I think that's the mic drop. I don't think we we should do anything more than that. That's a a, a lovely, positive way to end the interview, Sparrow. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Cool. No, this has been very enjoyable. It was a good conversation.
0: So I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, and review. We're going to be dropping two of these a week, so make sure you don't miss a beat. And also follow us on at NFT's WTF to keep updated on the NFT time capsule drop.